Tonight we continue our movement through a section of really uh, four chapters of instructions, uh, things to do, things to practice, and warnings, things to avoid, things to steer clear of. Now when I say that, a section of instructions and warnings, I think most of us kind of think, well, oh boy, another set of rules or a lecture for us to endure. And I think it has this heavy feel of something that's harsh, something that's uh, something that we want to avoid. Instructions and warnings. Four chapters of instructions and warnings. Well, actually, the truth is, uh, this is good. And that's kind of a mindset uh, we have to arrive at. This is uh, God's graciousness, his kindness uh, being shown to us. This is actually God blessing us. A lot of us think, well, I'd like to be blessed of God, and we pray, God, please bless us in this. Well, that's what this is. God is actually blessing us by giving us instructions and warnings. If we will pay attention to his instruction, to his warnings, and if we will follow those things, we will be blessed. And so understand, this is a good thing. It is a gracious thing that we have God's instructions and warnings. Now we move to chapter 29. It is the last of this section of instructions and warnings. It's going to change after the 29th chapter. So we're in the last section of these instructions and warnings beginning tonight in chapter 29. I'm going to start in verse 1. God's Word says this, A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. Now, this is talking about a stiff-necked person. In this example, they are corrected. It says uh, they have had much reproof uh, many times. They are corrected many times, and they do not listen they have been shown the right way. They have been corrected, and they do not consider what they've heard. They will not reconsider what they are doing. In fact, the picture is they dig their heels in. They have heard the right way, and they stiffen their neck. They bull their neck, and the Bible says of that person, they will suddenly come to ruin. That's what that means. That is the picture. They hear the right thing. They've heard much correction. They stiffen their neck. They fight against it, and they will suddenly come to ruin. Here's the truth. Being wrong has a consequence. It always does. Being wrong carries with it a consequence. And claiming you are right doesn't remove the consequence of being wrong. It doesn't remove it. And so you can push on against it. You can fight against it. But the truth is you're wrong and there is coming for you a consequence for being wrong. The calamity, the trouble will come. Now, I want you to see this. With most of these instructions, with most of these warnings, I think the impact is to be twofold. And so I think the first thing we see here is don't be that person. If that's what's going to happen, don't be that person. Take instruction. Uh, listen, take instruction. Don't be that person. But the second thing uh, that we're to take away from this, I believe, is that we're to be leery 
of those types of people because they are headed for trouble. They are headed for ruin. Let me tell you a great truth right here, and that is this. Do not hitch your wagon to people who are headed for trouble. Sometimes we think, well, that's just them. Well, they've been my friend forever. Well, that's just how they are. And in this example, they're not going to listen. They're not going to listen. They're bullheaded, and they're headed for trouble. Well, listen, don't hitch your wagon to people that are headed for trouble. You know what? They're going to take you to that trouble. So the first thing we ought to take away from this is if that is talking about you, don't be that person. Listen, take correction. But if you're living your life and you're around those people and they won't take correction, don't hitch your wagon to them, they will take you to trouble. All right, verse two. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, people groan. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, people groan. This is another verse. We've had several throughout this section on the importance of good leadership. Now, more than that, the importance of godly leadership. Over and over again, we see your leadership matters. Who is ruling matters. It actually matters. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, people groan. Verse 3, a man who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but he who keeps company with harlots wastes his wealth. A man who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but he who keeps company with harlots wastes his wealth. Now, in verse 3, we're introduced to two types of people. We've seen them repetitively, repetitively through this study. Uh, these two types of people. The first one is this. This is a person who loves wisdom. They love the truth. They seek the truth. Uh, they want to know the truth. They have come to love the truth. They have learned the value of truth. There is great value in truth. They have learned the benefit of walking in truth. And so this person they hear of God's wisdom. They have grown to love God's wisdom. They seek out God's wisdom. They can't wait to put it to practice. They see the benefit and the value of God's wisdom. The Bible says of that person, their father is proud. Their father is glad. Now, why is that? Because their life and the fruit of their life reflects it. They are doing well. They are walking in obedience to God. Their father is proud. The other person spends time with harlots. Now, let me explain this person. They do not want wisdom. They have heard it. They do not want it. They seek their pleasure above all else. What pleases me is what I want. Sin does not scare them. Sin does not bother them. And because of their lifestyle, the, all that their parents have invested in them is wasted. Their life is a series of bad choices. They're not scared of sin. They're not repulsed by sin. They do not want God's wisdom. They will not walk according to God's wisdom. All that the parents have invested in them is wasted in their series of bad choices. I want you to think about this. What is the difference in a good life and a bad life? And you see folks, and man, it seems like they've got a pretty good life. Things go pretty well for them. 
They're enjoying their life. And you see folks, and it's one train wreck to the next train wreck, and they've got troubles, and they've got all sorts of things going on. What is the difference in a good life and a bad life? Well, I'll tell you, the difference is the choices that we make. A choice, uh, the choices that you make. The difference in having an enjoyable life, what we would call a good life, and a bad life comes back to the choices that we make. Well, here's the next question. And so what is the difference between a good choice and a bad choice? Why in the world would we make a bad choice? What, what prompts some folks to always make good choices? What is the difference in a good choice and a bad choice? And that comes down to this, the wisdom that a person uses, the wisdom that you choose to use. And so you want to have a, a blessed life, you want to enjoy, enjoy your life, it's going to be based upon making consistently good decisions. Making good decisions is going to boil down to whose wisdom you choose to use. And in that, we see this. God gives us his wisdom. He wants to bless us. He wants to steer us away from trouble. He goes to great trouble to give us his wisdom. Verse 4. The king gives stability to the land by justice, but a man who takes bribes overthrows it. The king gives stability to the land by justice, but a man who takes bribes overthrows it. Now, here, here's an interesting question. What is the role of the government? What is the role? What do we want from our government? What is the role of the government? Well, the role of the government is to provide and to protect justice. You want to take it down to a basic level? That's, that's the role of a government, to provide justice, to protect justice, to uphold and keep justice. That is a blessing. When the government is upholding justice, that is a blessing. And that gives the society structure. Now, the problem with a society is if there is no structure, there is no stability. There's no dependability. Well, the government is to uphold justice, to protect justice, that there is structure to the society, that there is stability to the society. It's to, it's to have a culture where the right things are done, where practice is fair, where trade is fair, and where people operate in fairness. And injustice is quickly punished and removed. The verse says the king gives stability to the land by justice. That's what we want from our government. But a man who takes a bribe overthrows it. But a man, a person who takes a bribe overthrows it. Now the question is, what is overthrown? Is the king overthrown? Is the government overthrown? That's not what's overthrown Justice is overthrown. Justice brings stability. Justice blesses the society. But when you find a person that takes a bribe, a, a king that takes a bribe, justice is overthrown. Now think about that for a second. When a person takes a bribe, fairness is now out. Right is now out. We're not worried about right. Now that's now out. Money decides the issue. And so you've got a person and they've got power and some, some group or some person comes along 
and they buy their favor. Now the decision is not based upon what is best for the culture. It's not based upon justice and the carrying out of justice. It's not based upon what is good. It's now based upon the money. And so a person's favor is bought. And money decides the issue. Now, I'm not going to stay here long, (laughs) but I want to point this out. Isn't it funny today in America, we have an entire industry of lobbyists. And it's for every industry, it's for every group. The Southern Baptist Convention has a group of lobbyists and we are paying politicians to seek their favor in the policies that we want. Isn't that what this verse is saying? It's not about what's best, it's about who has the most money. It's not about what is just, it's about whose favor can be purchased. The king gives stability to the land by justice. That's what we want. But a man who takes bribes overthrows it, overthrows justice. Verse 5, a man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps. A man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps. Now, understand this is the relationship between neighbors. It doesn't mean do not be nice to your neighbor. It's not talking about that. But this is talking about not being honest with your neighbor. Uh, Really, if you think about it, it kind of does tie to verse four. This is bribing a person with compliments. It is buying their favor, bribing a person with words. Now, you might say this is buttering them up. Uh, Hey, your yard looks nice. What a nice car you have. Have you lost 20 pounds? Uh, It is is fattening them up uh, for a coming slaughter. Well, the warning here is beware of that. When your neighbor's always kind of greasy, when they're not willing to talk the truth to you, but all they do is trade compliments, understand there is a snare, there is a trap that is being set. Be aware of that. A man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps. All right, verse 6. By transgression, an evil man is ensnared. But the righteous sings and rejoices. By transgression, an evil man is ensnared. But the righteous sings and rejoices. Notice this. Maybe you've already noticed this. Those people that are always up to something, they're always trying to pull something, they're always trying to craft something, they live a life of worry. They live a life of anxiety. They're paranoid. They're always having to watch who's talking about me, who's, who said something about me. They're, they're living really in a, in a paranoia. Here, here's the deal. The truth is sin will always catch up with you. Sin, the consequence for sin, will always catch up with you. And so if you've walked in sin and if you, if you, if you travel in sin, uh, there's always the worry. Did somebody find out? Does somebody know about that? Did they hear what I said about them? Did they hear what I took from them? And you can't relax, you can't can't enjoy life because the consequence of sin, the weight of sin is always looming over you. Sin will always catch up with you. Now, sometimes it doesn't seem like it. Sometimes you watch folks and you know they're up to something shady. But man, it seems to pay off for them. Man, it looks like it's going good for them. And you, I don't understand. Why are they always blessed? I know they're not doing doing it the right way. And we wonder, well, listen to me. Sin 
And the consequence for sin will always catch up with folks. By transgression, an evil man is ensnared. By sin, an evil man is trapped. But it says this, but the righteous sings and rejoices. You ever run across somebody and they're almost too happy? They're just blissfully happy. They're just happy. Uh, Here's the deal. A person with a clear conscience sleeps well at night. Uh, The the person, they're, they're not caught up in sin, and so they're not waiting on the other shoe to drop. They're not waiting on the consequence of sin to come. They can relax in life. You know what, I've got nothing to hide. The things I've done, I've done them. God knows them. I've confessed them. I've taken care of those things. It's not saying they're not a sinner, but they've dealt with their sin. They're walking in integrity. They're trying to live in righteousness, and they can sing. They can go through life, and they can whistle, and they can be happy, and they can eat, and they don't have to worry the next phone call something going to drop on top of them. And their heart is found at peace. Here's, here's something we ought to... T- teach, we ought to say, we ought to tell it to our kids, we ought to remind ourselves, there is a peace and there is a joy in doing the right thing. You know what, it may not be popular, you know what, it may not be noticed, but I want to tell you, there is a peace. You know what, I had an option and I did the right thing. You know what, nobody was watching and and I did the right thing. There is a peace And there is a joy in consistently doing the right thing. By transgression, an evil man is ensnared, but the righteous sings and rejoices. Verse 7. The righteous is concerned for the rights of the poor. The wicked does not understand such concern. The righteous is concerned for the rights of the poor. The wicked does not understand such concern. In all these sections, this, these four chapters, in the last section before this one, but for sure in tonight, in just this section, we've already talked about justice. We've talked about the blessing of justice, the stability that comes when justice is upheld. Well, the truth is this, to have and to keep and to ensure justice for us We have to be concerned about justice for all. Now, that's a very deep thing. We have to be sure of that. Uh, To to have justice for us, to enjoy justice for us, and to ensure justice for us, we have to be concerned about justice for all. If you're doing fine, and you know what? You're making it just fine, and you're not suffering injustice, but if you will overlook the injustice that's being served to your neighbor that's being carried out on the person down the street, you're not concerned about their injustice. Listen, it will not be long till you'll lose your justice. And so if you go through life and say, no one's bothering me, no one's plaguing me, I'm not not suffering any injustice. And so I'm not worried about them down the street, I'm not worried about the injustice being carried out on my neighbor. If you can close your eyes to that, it will not be long before you Lose yours. The righteous is concerned about the poor. The righteous, they are concerned about those that do not have a mouthpiece. The righteous, they are concerned about those that are being taken advantage of 
because their righteousness demands it. Do you see that? The fact that they are righteous and they enjoy righteousness and the fact that they want to ensure that they keep the ability to live in righteousness, their righteousness demands that they worry about the injustice of others. Verse says this, the wicked aren't worried about it. The wicked worry about themselves. The righteous is concerned for the rights of the poor. The wicked does not understand such concern. All right, verse 8, we're going to stop after verse 8. Verse 8 says this. Scorners set a city aflame, but wise men turn away anger. A very short verse, a very important verse, a verse that we would do well to remember and set into the store bank of wisdom that we have. Scorners set a city aflame, but wise men turn away anger. A scorner, uh, it translates a scoffer, a mocker. This is a person who mocks the truth. Uh, they scoff at the truth. They belittle. They agitate. Now that person, that scoffer, that scorner, it says they set a city aflame. Here's what they do. They stir up trouble. They stir up trouble, they cause commotions, they stir up and they feed division. They plot this group against that group. They say, did you hear what this group said about this group? Did you hear what this group's doing against that group? They stir up and they feed divisions. They, they draw up sides. They incite people. They enrage people. That's what they do. The Bible says they sit they set a city aflame. Now, I want you to picture that. Here, this person comes into town, and everything's fine, and everything's smooth, and they begin to stir up things, and they begin to divide things, and they begin to pour gas on things, and there is soon a fire that is roaring. It is growing. Now, what does a fire do? It consumes all those around it. It burns things down. It causes destruction. But wise people turn away anger. A wise, godly person, they produce peace. That's what walking in godly wisdom does. They seek peace. They lead others to peace. They diffuse anger. There's anger. Listen, anger is normal. It's natural. They calm it down. They diffuse it. They calm things down. They pull people together. Notice the opposite. They build things up. And so you got this one person, they burn everything down, they destroy everything. This person in godly wisdom, they build things up. Here's my advice, and it's serious. Watch the fruit of people. Watch the actions of people. And if their fruit causes trouble and chaos, if it involves them speaking and draws you to speak sharp words, there's folks that I can be having a great day and in two minutes, ooh, that make me want to say some sharp words back to them. If they come in and they got sharp words and they got fiery responses and it stirs that up in you, if they push people to divide Here's the deal. They are not of God, and they're not walking in God's 
Wisdom, the Bible says this, they're not led by God's spirit. And so you find this person and they just start a fire everywhere they go. Here's the deal. That's not godly wisdom led by the spirit of God. But let me tell you this. If you find a person and they are calm and their fruit is peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Does that sound familiar? Gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Listen, that is a person that is operating in God's wisdom and they are operating in God's spirit and his empowerment and they are a person that doesn't tear down a person that builds up. Here's the the call of verse eight. Be that person. Be that person. Now let let me explain that to you. Being that person is not always normal. And it's not always natural. We have to work at being that person. You know what? I'm going to submit to the Spirit of God. You know what? I'm going to go and find His Word and see how it says respond in this situation. Pray to be that person. God, empower me to be that person. God, convict me. Don't let me stand when I'm not that person. Pray about being that person. Seek and set as a goal being that person. Being a person of peace, walking in the Spirit of God. Make that your goal. And here's the other side of it, and avoid the other. Avoid existing as the other person and avoid the, that other person. You know what, I don't, I don't have time for trouble. I don't have time to be lured into sharp words. I want to respond the way Christ inside me, the Spirit of God inside me, leads me for his glory. Scorners set a city aflame, but wise men turn away anger. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Praise the Lord for his wisdom. Praise the Lord for his truth. Bring Father, we come, and I'm thankful for your truth. And Lord, I pray that we love it. And I pray that we want it. And I pray that we seek it. I pray that we crave it. I pray that we think about it. I pray that we consider it. And I pray, Lord, that as we walk through the days of our lives, that we're going to be shaped by it. And I pray that we... we We are actually deliberate in that, that we set that as a goal, that we're submitting to the Spirit of God that lives in us, that we're so frequent in your word that it becomes quick to to direct our paths. And I pray that you're pleased in the process, that you're known in the process, and I pray that it bears the fruit of goodness. And I pray that we can walk in peace, and we can live in peace, and we can do business in peace, We could deal with others in peace. We could sleep in peace. We could praise you and worship together in peace. Lord, let it bear that fruit. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. Again, I pray that we take it in, that we consume it, that we hold it, that we obey it. Lord, I pray as we go into this week, and Lord, I I pray for a marvelous week. I pray for a not normal week. And I pray that all the pieces are there, all the pieces fit together And if it's the the recreation time, the serving of snacks, a hospitality room, the decorations that are telling the story, Lord, I pray for the small group, lessons that will be taught. I pray for the lesson that will be taught on this stage. I pray, Lord, for a supernatural result. And I pray for the truth of a God that loves people, that has a a heart for for sinners and sends a, a gracious Savior to save. I pray that that would be known. I pray the gospel of Jesus Christ will be known. I I pray for little kids 
to have seeds that are planted. I pray for third, second, third, and fifth, fourth graders to have a foundation that's built. I pray for decisions to be made. I pray for teachers to be impacted. I pray for adults that will look on. I pray that they would be encouraged as well. And I pray, Lord, that it will bear eternal fruit for the glory of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that it would be astounding. I pray that it would be exceedingly, abundantly, more than we would ask and think. And I pray it wouldn't be a normal camp to check off. I pray it wouldn't be a week that we talk about but I pray it would, it would, it would be an impactful, fruit-bearing event for the glory of Jesus. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to do that. Lord, I pray that that is really the model for all of the things that we'll do as your people, as your church. I pray for homes here tonight. I pray for families here tonight. I pray for our church tonight. Bless it and use it. Lord, we, we come and we just tell you, we end this Lord's Day and we tell you we love you. We praise you, we thank you, we worship you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.